to the World of the Spirit podcast. My name is Elizabeth Young. And I'm Kate Chapman. Join us each week as we share our lives to show you and remind ourselves how spiritual principles can solve all our problems. Hello, Kate. Hi, Elizabeth. I love your smiling face. Aww. Beautiful. What are we talking about today? We are talking about beliefs. beliefs. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> beliefs. Yeah, how they um they can hold us hostage, right? Mm-hmm. Unexamined. The unexamined life is not worth living. Who is that? Mm-hmm. Socrates or well, you know, one of those one, one of those, those ancient guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those ancient guys. <laughs> Oh, so, so the unexamined life. So the examining of our beliefs, where do our beliefs come from? I think for me, I've thought anytime I come up against a belief that really I need to do work on, like maybe let go of my first defense. And by my, I mean, my ego's first roadblock is, oh, well, my belief comes from my experience. I believe this because it's true in my experience. And that can be a real problem. That's that's a really good one. That's like really deep. So give can, do you have an example of that? Oh, sure. I grew up volunteering at a local political uh, office in the county I grew up in. And and then when I went to college, my freshman year of college, my mom had an accident when she had just started a new business and didn't have health care. We were unable to keep up with the utilities and our mortgage payment. And I, in, in trying to help in that situation and really overpower reality, I tried to negotiate, you know, with the bank and, and different, different human powers. And I came away from that situation deeply self-reliant, but also convinced that the way I saw the world, which was a very us versus them, the little people versus the big people, this deep kind of victimization. I, I went out in the world and thought the world is made up of these two groups of people And if you had had my experience, you would be as angry as me, you would believe what I believe, and you would go out in the world and act the way that I acted. And that kept me, I mean, lots of great spiritual teachers talk about the problems of duality, of Mm -hmm. thinking that like life is either or, black or white, right or wrong. And it kept me trapped there for a long time, but, but I was really attached to, well, if this had happened to you the way that it happened to me, mm-hmm. then you would think what I think. And I'm I'm righter than you because my beliefs are based on experience. Your beliefs are based on just what you think. Mm. I no longer feel that way, but it was, I had that around everything. But of course our, our beliefs do that, right? They're really, they've got to attach to something to remain rationalized and legitimized in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. And isn't that where most of our beliefs come from? Our experience? Oh, yeah. Or our environment, Mm -hmm. family dynamic, because there are beliefs that can be passed on family member to family member that we don't necessarily have experience with. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's a culmination of from birth, the family we grew up, we were birthed into, the culture, the ethnicity, environment, and then we just collect them all along as we go. What's the problem in that? Why are we, is there, is there a problem in that? There's a couple. One of them was the belief stood in for an identity grounded in that could have been grounded in like what I feel like my identity today is grounded in is my ongoing experience of being conscious, being in conscious contact, being present in the world, being useful. And what that identity was grounded in was a trauma from the past that I was keeping alive and adding energy to as if it was still happening. Well, what if it wasn't a trauma? What if it was a belief that was handed over from your grandma or family that wasn't traumatic, like your Mm. nationality, like I'm Irish. And then I have a whole set of beliefs around what that means to be Irish. Well, we definitely drink a lot. (laughs) 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 We definitely drink a lot. We eat corned beef. You know, I have all of these ideas around that. Now, it's not necessarily bad that people are wrong, that people equate Irish people and corned beef. So the quality of the belief is definitely. Mm -hmm. One thing that one question I think is related to what you're asking, that is such a great question is, you know, what's the belief doing for you? Mm -hmm. What are you getting out of it? That's yeah. Oh, is that what you were getting at? That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I wasn't really going, I wasn't, I was, (laughs) I wasn't really looking trying to get somewhere. I was seriously asking and to to explore and uncover for us right now in this moment what our what our thoughts are around belief and 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 what is the problem with bringing a belief from the past or an old idea from the past. Like the the one you mentioned about trauma and something holding on to something that is causing you pain, sure, that that could be a reason to let go of it, to dismantle it, to see it for what it is, to surrender it so that it's no longer causing you pain. But for something that is neutral, mm. right? So maybe there's a neutral, a positive, and a negative, well, for lack of other words to use. If we use those three qualitatives, the negative would be the it's causing trauma, you know, a trauma that's causing me pain now. Neutral would be, you know, we eat corned beef, like doesn't really do anything for me either way. <laughs> and, and, and depending then, on your, your digestion and your, your, the, your ability to, you know, well, I'm not how, saying how I, much you're eating, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying how I'm much? eating, I eat corned beef because I don't, but <laughs> that people think I eat corned beef or that one would attribute that belief to the Irish, I don't really care <laughs> about that so much. You know what I mean? It's not personal to me. It doesn't affect my personal experience. Right. And that, I think, right there is the key. When it's affecting my personal experience, I care. The other is the positive, right? What am I getting out of it? Like you said, what am I getting out of it? So if I know for me, as soon as you said that, like, what's the payoff? I thought about, I'm a New Yorker. Every time I say it, <laughs> anytime I tell it, there's there's a payoff there. 
Like somehow I'm superior to other people because I'm a New Yorker. Like I literally have that. (laughs) Oh, Texans are the same way. And in fact, when I moved from Texas to New York for college, (laughs) I was like, Texans and New Yorkers that have all of this real or imagined animosity and competition, (laughs) they Mm -hmm. are exactly the same. They both think there is no other place in the world to live. Why would you not want to be from Texas? Why would you not want to be from like the the big boots? Like the world of Texas is this like it's the same. There's a mystique. Mm-hmm. It is an identity. Again, back to this idea of beliefs standing in for identity creation. Mm-hmm. Yes, I guess in that sense, and 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 I for myself, I've seen this in me. I know this. I'm aware of this. I don't think I'm using it as a, as a, let me step up today, but who knows, you know, maybe I am and, and more will be revealed. And that's the beautiful thing about the spiritual path is that whenever there's something else that is, that needs to be surrendered, discomfort comes, right? And then I get to examine that discomfort and I find more beliefs, more old ideas, more things I thought I knew that I needed to let go of that were really just blocking me from being completely present and in the flow of life, you know, guided and directed by the stream of of consciousness that is always present, you know, God, whatever, whatever. I, I, I just shorthand it to God because I don't know why I just do, but sometimes I know that can arouse all kinds of beliefs in people when they hear that word, all kinds of images. Immediately think of, I know for me myself, for a long time, I associated God with religion. And that meant if I use that word, that somehow I'm in some sort of religion, which is really just another construct, right? A human construct of ideas that were built together, put together, and then we called it Christianity. And then another bunch of ideas and we called it Buddhism and another, and we can go on and on and on. So if one of those is serving you, you know, I have my particular collection that, that serve me, that have served me to arrive at this point. I think they can be useful, right? Because if I didn't believe that meditation would work or that it worked for, you know, my friend that taught it to me, I probably wouldn't have done it. It's a good topic because I don't necessarily think that when we say we have a belief and we're talking about living present in the now with, you know, in oneness and no, just open-minded, like, I think it's okay that, you know, we've got some beliefs that carried us to here. And as long as I'm willing to wear them loosely and be open to new ideas and new things that appear and arrive in the moment through conversation, through learning, through experience, then I don't see anything particularly wrong with them. Well, and, you know, in the wisdom tradition um, of the 12 steps, we're really asked to go underneath. And, you know, for me, like, look at the ideas I had, what was it, how was it serving me to think that all banks do what the bank did mm-hmm. when I I needed more time. What what purpose did it serve for me to think what I thought about 
health insurance or all of these particular things. And we all have our, like you said, our particular markers of our own lives. What the meditation and process has has really done for me is things arise in the space, whether it's a disturbance or whether it's just an awareness of, oh, isn't that funny? I'm thinking this thing about this thing, or this person said this, and oh, that's not okay. And I I sit in the space with it and I get curious. And for me, the practice of curiosity without judgment is really a practice. And what happens is space gets created around the belief and the way that the belief has continued, like it has an afterlife, right? So long after that event happened, I still had beliefs that had originated from that time that I was carrying around like they were true. And I was making decisions. Um, And the way that I spoke about people and places and things was so much, I was blind to it at the time, informed by certain experiences. And, and, And in the spiritual life, we're really invited to look at those as attachments. And I'm I'm attached to to this thing. Why do I think this thing? Mm. And then, and if we're lucky, and by lucky, I think you know, grace is such a great word. But so is if I'm using the willpower that I have to be present with myself as those new awarenesses arise. I'm going to find that life is going to constantly bump up against these beliefs. And of course, that's what Mm -hmm. Michael Singer talks about, right? And his, and his books that we love is there, there's not going to be a way to avoid all red cars. If I had (laughs) a boyfriend at 15 who drove a red car and broke my heart and it's really not an effective way of being in the world, forget being present, forget being spiritual, (laughs) forget being conscious, trying to go through life and avoid red cars doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, trying to avoid red cars means that I'm reliving what, what happened and I'm reaffirming my commitment to the belief that I'm not okay if there's red cars on the road. And every time you see the red car, you're disturbed. Right. Because it brings up the old memory. Yeah. Those are the, some scars he talks about, you know, the energy patterns, those experiences that get lodged and stuck in our body. And then God forbid, we had to get into a red car or we're not definitely not going to buy a red car, you know? Yes. And those then make our decisions, right? They make our decisions. And so one thing that um, I recently heard was that when you have a concept and you're looking through a concept, it completely limits your vision. It's like you can't see anything else, right? So if I'm looking through the lens of I'm a New Yorker, I am connecting with another New Yorker, but I'm also not connecting with anyone who's not a New Yorker. So it's that there's no openness in it, right? There's this attachment and rather than stepping back right into the larger picture, which is, you know, if we come from the place of oneness, universal people, we're human beings having human experiences, right? 
we're really spiritual beings having human experiences, but you know, we are coming together. We're all in this human experience together. We happen to be born different places around the world. And like who has control over that, you know? So yeah, of course there's opening, continuing to open, continuing to open. Well, and it's very, um, it's very primordial, like very, very rudimentary to think of the world in terms of the people who are in my group and the people who are out of my group. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about your example, the New Yorker thing is Mm -hmm. my, my story, it lets people in and it pushes people out. And that's the same thing as my belief or what were my political beliefs or I thought were political beliefs that um, I now hold very, um, like you said, if I can hold them loosely, I'm available and open to take in new information. Mm -hmm. But at the time, and what's the advantage of living life from a place of us versus them? Mm. Well, it's very, it's very satisfying on like a basic human level, but it's also very limiting. And like you said, there's, there's nowhere to go from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no connection. There's limited connection. There's finite connection. And we're, you know, the world of the spirit, which is the title of our podcast is an invitation to infinite connection. Right. And expansion. Yes. 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 Expansion. That's exactly it. Well, and I think those of us who've had moments in our lives where everything was falling apart, we don't get to choose Mm -hmm. who climbs down in the hole to help us out of the hole. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of also what I mean by grace is the person who comes to help me in my time of need. Yeah. Um, I don't get to decide Mm -hmm. if they're in my in group or in their, they're in my out group. Yes, exactly. That's a great point. That is a great point. It's who can we hear? Mm. Who can we hear? And that brings us back to the voices and the importance of each having our voice, sharing our story passing on what we've been given, whatever that is, right? There's growth. We turn around and we say, here's what I did. Here's how I'm doing it. And, and really when we're invited, because most people don't, don't want to hear how you grew or what you did. They're like, yeah, great. Get, thanks for sharing. Gotta go. You know, gotta actually, go. that's why we started the podcast. I always want to hear yours. And you sometimes, no, I always want to hear yours. I always, because so here I, we are. And so here we are. And this is the beautiful thing. It's like these conversations that we have are inspiring. They are opening. They are expansive. They're limitless. I want to have more of those. You know, I have those with the women in my life that are of like mind, similar spiritual paths. It's the highlight of my days is, Mm. is being able to go there with my friends that are, are wanting not go there in a way that 
we get together and we have sessions of wine or, you know, problems, but that we seek to live from who we are, from a true place of who we are, not who we think ourselves to be. And so every time we have these conversations, when I have them with you and I have them with other friends, there's an understanding that we come together because we're disturbed. We're not right. Something's not right because we've lost sight of who we are. And we have this hack in a way, even though maybe we didn't say it out loud, that we are going to just share our truth with each other, who we are. And so we untangle each other. That's a beautiful thing versus I've been in relationships where I've had girlfriends in the past, you know, where you just kind of get together and bitch and complain and you're, everything's the problem. You know, I'm somehow the victim of life, right? Of circumstance. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, that's just, I'm not interested today in, in, in that conversation. Well, I was thinking too, that, you know, if I thought about based on my relationship with you, what I imagined your, your belief to be about yourself, because you and I talked about it (laughs) this Mm -hmm. week and you mine, even knowing that my worst belief about myself or my biggest fear about myself is untrue according to the people who know me the best and love me the most. They would never see myself, see me the way that I see myself and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Knowing that does not keep me from holding the belief, Mm -hmm. give me the willingness to question it or let go or help me to see it as a lie. Mm -hmm. That's so true. It's so true. Nobody can do it for us. Right. Like we can have people around us and they're, oh yeah, you're great. You're doing, you're so useful. You're so this, you're so that. None of that touches the core of who we are. It has to come from the inside. It has to come from the inside. It all comes from the inside. The world of the spirit, which is inside the individual, right? Inside me. It's wonderful if people think, my work is good or my, you know, you're going to get half and half. What do you ask opinions? What are you going to get? You're going to get different opinions. I mean, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. The And that goes back to another conversation we had, which is the circumstances on the outside don't matter. It's an internal condition that needs to be treated. That's longing to be treated. And the work, the tools that we use and share and learn through different spiritual teachers, different traditions, spiritual traditions, wisdom traditions, are the work, are the the work that we do to wake up to the subconscious, the unconscious that's running our lives, that's keeping us in patterns, ways of being that no longer serve us, and surrendering those, surrendering those. And that ability to surrender changes along the path, right? There are some people who can just stop thinking. 
Eckhart Tolle says, or Gangaji says, stop. There are people that can just stop. Then there are people who can simply enter another way that um, Eckhart talks about entering the now is saying yes. Complete and utter acceptance to what is, right? What's happening right now? Exactly as it is. Byron Katie also talks, that's her work, right? And when you argue with what's happening, with what is, you will lose only 100% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. You. Come on, I can negotiate with that. No, 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 you'll only lose 100% of the time. That's it. Because what is, 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 right? The world is doing something and I want something different. Collision, collision, collision. I'll only lose one. So it's waking up to that, recognizing that. Stop fighting that. Saying yes. So so Eckert's very simply says, say yes. <gasps> yes. Some people call it acceptance, accepting what is, and just noticing what's arising. But yes, there's all these these ways of getting here because we think we're not here. <laughs> well, and the beliefs too, and this is the problem with mind, with personal wanting mind, is they bump into each other. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're not they're not consistent with each other. So I'll have one belief that says, I have to do this, but then it bumps into another belief that's I'll give you an example. I don't know, five, six years ago, in my uh informal career of uh online dating, in which I learned a great deal, uh, mm-hmm. I remember being frustrated that um, a gentleman would ask to spend time with me on a day in a general time of day. Like, do you want to hang out Friday night? And I was practicing um, being open. And, um, but also I was, I had received suggestions from different human powers of don't say yes to a date on Friday after Wednesday. Don't say yes to this. Mm. Don't only say, right. It's got to look this particular way. But this random gentleman who's asked to spend time with me has no idea what those rules are, but all the rules promise that if someone can wind their way through the giganto maze, then that's your person. And then you're done. And I remember that what I really wanted to say in response, because what would happen is I would say, yes, I was available for a date, but then Friday would come. And he had said Friday evening. Well, is Friday evening five o'clock or is it nine o'clock? Are you going to tell me the time or place? And then I would think, well, but I'm not supposed to text the guy first. I'm supposed to wait for him to text me. So it's Friday and I've made a plan, but I've had other things that I'd rather do. Certainly would be more fun and comfortable. And so one belief is telling me I made a commitment. I need to be available for this date. Another belief is saying, what kind of disrespectful person doesn't confirm a commitment the day before 
and give the time and place. And then another part of me is going, oh, but have an open mind. He just doesn't think like you do. Mm. Plus, it's okay to ask for what you need. But then it's like, oh, but guys hate that. Guys hate that. Guys hate being pinned down. And if he was really interested in you, hit X, Y, Z. And I can't tell you how many books I read telling me how to navigate that process with way less thinking than I was able to navigate it with. But that's the problem with the world of beliefs. And although I like to think I have grown since that particular experience, I still have beliefs in that area and other areas that I can't make square with other things and I can't decide which one's right. Mm. And I hope that's useful to somebody. (laughs) Well, you just described a lot of people's heads for sure around dating. And yeah, and, and my experience as well, back when I dated, that's the mind. That's the mind. And you just describe the problem with beliefs, which was what we started our podcast with. And my question, I asked the question, like, what is the problem? Is there a problem with beliefs? That is the problem. When we hold a belief, it will contradict another belief. It always will. It can't not, right? It can't not. So empty mind, no mind, however they say it, I'm not holding any belief. I'm simply meeting what's arising as it's arising naked, completely naked. Just so uncomfortable. Yeah. Because what do I have to stand on if I don't have an idea that somebody has given me that then is guiding me? Well, what's going to happen if you don't have a belief? Exactly. Yes. You're completely in the unknown. And that is what we will do absolutely anything to avoid. Exactly. We don't know. We don't know anything. Beliefs make us think we do. Which goes back to Michael Singer, which you mentioned on last week's podcast. (laughs) No two people on the planet have the same perception. Yes. Yes. No, the no entire time. planet. That's like 8 billion people. I'm like, come on, I've got to have somebody out there who matches up. Mm-hmm. And then we're back to, oh God, is that what I'm doing when I'm dating? Am I just looking for somebody whose beliefs and perceptions don't make me uncomfortable or feel like mm-hmm. I have to live in the unknown? And I hope not. Well, that's but what he I, says. He says that's what we're doing. That's what everybody's oh, yeah. doing. We're out there just looking for the other person that is going to, or some scars are going to match up just right so that neither one of us is uncomfortable. And that's what we call love. <laughs> that that courting period where we're like, oh, oh my God, this is the one, you know. Honeymoon period, right? Yeah, honeymoon period. Well, hello, 50, 60, how many percent of people are divorced or how many people have been married more than once? I mean, I don't even know those numbers, but we're talking a lot of people because- I mean, go ahead uncomfortable. The beliefs start to come. They arise, right? They arise all the way I'm thinking, the way you're thinking, and they don't match. So we're in collision. We're in constant collision. 
And if we don't have a way of working through that, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to find someone else. Well, and what we do is we treat that as an external problem. It's not. It has nothing to do with the other person. It's an internal. If I can't sit with the unknown, then literally I should put on my dating profile. I don't have a dating profile, but literally I don't like red cars looking for somebody who also doesn't like red cars. Mm-hmm. And then and then thinking that if as long as I can find somebody who doesn't have a red car, then we're just going to be fine rather than I have got to deal with the part of me that mm-hmm. doesn't accept that there's red cars. Yeah. Exactly. Not only that, there's orange cars, there's maroon cars, there's pink cars. Like there's all manner of red cars. Yep. We can't get around the work because the work that we have to do, the letting go, the 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 inner work, the in inner inside work, it doesn't go away. It just turns into dis ease. Right? First it's disturbance. It grows, it manifests. And then we have, I mean, I could just kind of look at the world. We have disease, we have unrest, we have, you know, a seven-year-old walking into a school and shooting his Mm. teacher. Like, I mean, we have all kinds of unrest. Yeah, there's work to do. Mm -hmm. Starts within. (laughs) And, And then at the same time, Old Kate wants to be like, but Elizabeth, what would you have done with the text message about Friday evening? Like, can you just tell me mm. the right response? Well, uh, yeah, ex- exactly. And, 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 the, and I, I can tell you the right response because I think I actually know what it is. You know what I mean? That's the craziness of the mind. It's like, oh, yeah, I know what the right response was. And that's but let me I, call 12 other girlfriends and then yeah. I'm going to take a poll and then I'm going to, I'm going to Excel spreadsheet it out. <laughs> and then I'm, and then, and then it's, I'm going to have bridesmaids Yeah, because the answer will have been perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's not about finding the mate. And you and I have had many conversations about this, right? I have the same exact situation, but mine's with career. I have done many things in my life and I have done a lot of work around this idea that what I do in the world to make money is somehow where I get my value. And what I have come to see and to realize is that making money and what I'm here to do in the world have nothing to do with each other. I, it's even hard to just describe the the shift. For years, I thought I'm not driven by money. I do things in the world. I don't make a lot of money. I've also made a lot of money. You know, I've had all kinds of different jobs in the world, careers. But for years, I was thinking money's not driving me because I, you know, was teaching spiritual stuff and yoga and meditation and blah, blah, blah. And you don't really make much money doing that. <laughs> um, but but when it came to down to it a couple of years ago, I actually did a job history and I did what we talked about in another podcast. I wrote, put pen to paper and looked at 
my history, my beliefs around every job from the paper route that I got when I was 14 years old, all the way down to, or all the way up to my current position. The person that I did this work with asked me an interesting question. She said, I want you to put down why you took the job, why you did the job, and why you left the job. And after I did this thorough inventory, it was pages because I've had a lot of different careers, you know, a lot of different things I've done. I got to see in black and white that money was driving me. I was saying, it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Oh, no, it's not about, I don't really, it was all about the money. And I don't, I don't think that I would have been able to see that without that process, that in-depth process where I was able to take all of those beliefs, all that history, place it on paper, read it out loud to another person, get feedback and sit with that in quiet time, contemplation, asking God to, to reveal the truth for me. And so from what happened from that moment, which was a few years back to this moment, something shifted in me. I, those two things separated that what I do in the world and the financial money that I make, they're not the same. I don't, they're not linked together anymore. They're, they're just, and so what that's allowed me to do is just to show up and live the way I've described before, where I'm here present in the moment and doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, as somebody who knows you pretty well, and but was not the person with whom you shared that work. If I had to make a list of the things that I thought motivated you, money wouldn't be anywhere on that yeah. list. Yep. Which goes back to there's no avoiding the inner work. And what I was taught early on many years ago is I can choose to trust what emerges from the inner work I choose to do with me and whatever's greater than me. I can trust it. It may not be other people's perception of me, but nobody also can come in and say the work that you did and what it revealed. Oh, I don't see you that way. So mm -hmm. that's probably not what's going on. And, and that, that process of moving from a human power to a, a non-human power as the reference point for for guidance and intuition is a really crucial one because I know for me picking authority figures of like somebody just tell me how to answer the freaking text message right mm -hmm. there was no going within on that right so what my experience of you is was not the experience that you saw when you went within and got really really transparent had you substituted the perception of someone who knows and loves you for your own inner work could that shift have ever happened and now you're living presently in a different world exactly it would have never it doesn't matter what other people think or how other people my mother my mother is like my biggest advocate like she's just, she sees me in a way that, and I've gotten glimmers of it, like maybe two or three times, but things she said to me where I, and I remember that 
you know, Deborah one time said to me, your mom really, really respects you. And I couldn't feel the way my mother saw me. I mean, in a mother and child, I mean, come on, you, you see the best in your kids and you, you see all the good and, but that wasn't it. It was this construct that was somehow woven together throughout my life that needed to be loosened and then ultimately surrendered so that I could have a new experience internally, inside, because it's my inside that creates my outside. There's no way around it. There's no shortcuts. There are a lot of shortcuts. There are a lot of, um, what do you call them? Forks in the road and we can go different ways and we can try all different things to avoid the inner work. And I did that. I too, you know, don't drink anymore. And that for me was a solution for many years, a solution that made me feel connected and like, I've got this, I've got this life thing until it didn't, right? Until it didn't. So all kinds of things I can use. Relationships, talk about relationships. Before I was married, I'm married 15 years. Before I got married, that was what, 2007, I'd say, probably about 10 years before that, I was, I mean, it was relationships. From the time I was 15 until 90, like 98. So I was like 27 27, 28 years old, relationship after relationship after relationship, because that was my solution. That, that was the perfect avoidance. I'm just going to hide out here. I don't have to go inside. And, you know, needless to say, I don't need to share what those relationships were like. <laughs> they were, they were just as crazy as that silent retreat, <laughs> <laughs> only with another person. So maybe more silence or <laughs> something like that. More more screaming, more noise. One of the things that shook loose for me a couple months ago was the belief that spiritual maturity means that you get certain things in life. Mm. So like I I guess I just haven't graduated to the proper level of spirituality or I would be in X relationship. Yeah. But then I looked around and I was like, well, there's people around here who got married high out of their minds. There's people around here who are um, waking up in a marriage. They don't know how it got to where. And, and then I thought back and I was like, I have just assigned this idea of a meritocracy if I get perfect enough, then I get a gold star. When really, one thing has nothing to do with the other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not giving a dog a treat. It is the world is unfolding. And there aren't, um, we're not sort of on echelons of, of goodness or wellness. Mm -hmm. And then therefore, we get some prize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's confusing because you have a lot of teachers, people in, in, in our culture that are like all about, you know, get the life you want, 
make this the year for your goals to get filled, um, become who you're supposed to be, you know, and, and all of these messages taken into a specific perception, everybody remember it has a different perspective. They're at a different place. So everybody's taking them at all these, you know, different places. And so we get a culture of like me, me, mine, I, I've, you know, I'm the power. I'm going to express my power. I'm going to make boundaries. I'm going to, you know, you get all of this that gets wonky. The spiritual life as I understand it and living from the world of the spirit is it's real simple. It's either I go into my head and I figure out what I want, what my desires are, and I think them up and I map them out and I put them on, um, vision boards and I do all of this. And and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I actually have a vision board. I'm literally looking at a vision board that I did years ago that I, I keep because I just, I'm somehow amazed how all those things are in my life <laughs> that are mm. on that vision board. So I'm not saying these things don't work, but, but like today, what, the way that I'm practicing for today is that I don't go into my mind for what I want. I seek oneness with my maker, my creator, by going within, trusting that the intelligence that created me and all being has got my back and is going to take me where I need to go. I, I wasn't always that way. Like I said, I've got the vision board there. All the things, it's my second vision board happened twice. Everything comes. But for today, that's that's kind of my process. And I just had a conversation yesterday with our dear friend, Gwen. And we were talking about this idea because the book, Feeling is the Secret, and Joel Goldsmith's book, Parenthesis in Eternity, say two conflicting ideas, right? Feeling is the secret is, Go in and in your subconscious, visualize. You have to make an, imp- you, basically your subconscious presses out everything in the external world. And so you need to, whatever it is you want in the world, you need to dr- think about it before you're going to bed is one example and kind of let it marinate into the subconscious so that it can then express it out into the world. And Joel says, just think about God. The 12-step wisdom says, just think about God. Turn your will, your thoughts over to a power greater than you. And just think about God. Just take this thought constantly. Thy will, not mine be done. And you're good. It's just a very simple way to live. And I'm all for simple today, just keeping it simple. So, I mean, it's just really, can I hold loosely the beliefs that are still lingering, whether I've identified them or not? And then can I use my morning, evening practice to keep the space available to have revealed to me the beliefs that are governing me that I'm not aware of yet. Yeah. And am I willing to examine them and set when them down arise. when they arise? It's like, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Rather than pretending I'm not really having them, you know, this happens a lot with motherhood. I get annoyed or disturbed or irritated when my son doesn't behave the way I think he should behave. And it's very easy for me to just be like, forget that and move into the next moment. And when I don't pause and deal with it right there and then, it snowballs. And then next thing I know, I'm like, I'm just raising my voice and I am so upset. And so for me, my responsibility is my inner life. As soon as the disturbance arises, it is my responsibility to address it and not spew it out into the world. Because I can say, I can teach my son very simply with kindness and love. And I can teach him with yelling and anger. And the difference between those two is if I am addressing my inner life or not. Am I awake? And I do not do this perfectly. <laughs> it is a practice that can only happen now. 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 So good conversation. Wow. Till we meet again. Yes. And we'll right. chat again about what beliefs have we woken up to since our last conversation. <gasps> oh. That sounds good. All right. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, we just want to express our gratitude for being a part of your day or your night or whenever you were able to fit this in and hope you'll join us again. Yes. Thanks for coming. And we'll see you next time on the World of the Spirit podcast.